2020 has been an interesting year for Shonen Jump for better or worse. Some of the magazine's most high-profile series have come to an end, while a large crop of newcomers are all fighting to cement their spots in the table of contents. That said, this year has had its fair share of controversy as well. Apart from a certain virus making its way with the world, Shonen Jump has had its own issues ranging from the axing of a series made out to be too big to fail to a series cancellation after a major arrest. That said, even with all of the bad, there's still been plenty of good. New series winning awards, anime adaptations left and right, and the domination of digital series are all on the docket for today. Without further ado, I'm Jordan, aka Axel Ablaze. This is episode two of my Axel Ablaze Productions podcast, and this is my look at the present and future of Weekly Shonen Jump, October 2020 edition. Now, before we get too into things, I want to start off this podcast by acknowledging Shiro Usazaki, the assistants and editors for Actage. While it pains me to see such an amazing series be cancelled due to the scummy acts of its author, I respect the decision made by Usazaki and Shueisha to cancel the series. For those that might still be unaware, the author of Actage was arrested back in August on sexual harassment charges. For any fans of Actage like myself, I encourage you to look out for any work done by Shiro Usazaki in the future and support her amazing art. Uh, she's amazingly talented, and in all honesty, Actage would not have been the same without her. Her work has just been phenomenal, and it truly is a loss that we don't have her in the magazine right now. But again, I understand where Shueisha had to be on this topic. But, with that out of the way, it's important that before we talk about the series currently in the magazine, we need to talk about the series that have left it this year. And as with every year and every season when new series get introduced, a few of the underperforming series got axed. More often than not, the axed series are fledgling newcomers to the magazine that couldn't find a big enough audience. So, for this year, the new series that got cancelled included Zipman with 17 chapters back in April, Guardian of the Witch, with 19 chapters in June, and most recently, Bone Collection, with 15 chapters, and Time Paradox Ghost Rider, with 14, both at the end of August. And other than these four, there are two other notable axes. The most recent of the two was Mitama Security Spirit Busters. It was one of two series that were pushing it to a year of serialization, and... It unfortunately got the axe right at the year mark of serialization. And for those unfamiliar with the series, it was a gag manga, one of many that would start appearing in the magazine over the past year. Its following is small and its volume sales weren't that notable, but in my opinion, it was still a decent gag manga. That said, in a battle between an uncharacteristically large amount of gag or gag-adjacent series and jump, there were bound to be casualties eventually, and Mitama just happened to be one of them. But, out of all the Axed series in 2020, there is no doubt that the biggest one of them all was the one that came for Samurai 8, The Tale of Hachimaru, drawn by Akira Okubo and written by the author of Naruto, Masashi Kishimoto. Now, leading up to its debut in April of 2019, Samurai 8 was being hyped up by everyone. The author of Naruto was ready to make his comeback in Shonen Jump and bring about the next greatest manga series. 
And while he wasn't going to be doing the art, he would be the man creating the story. From ninja in a fantasy setting to sci-fi samurai, the debut of Samurai 8 was... middling at best. It turns out that just because a manga has a big name like Kishimoto's behind it doesn't mean that you'll have a major success on your hands. Kishimoto is by no means the first author slash artist to have and finish a successful manga run just to come back and have a flop with the next one. But when you create a cultural juggernaut like Naruto that ran for 700 chapters over the course of 15 years and then come back with a series that can't even make it to a year in publication, that's a pretty hard fall from grace. Now, sci-fi is a hard genre to master and it's also one that has really diminished in popularity more and more as time has gone on. On top of that, Samurai 8 had a lot of flaws. I intend on having a more in-depth discussion on Samurai 8 in the future, but I'll leave the discussion on one final note. I mentioned before that Samurai 8 had hyped up beyond belief prior to its printing in the magazine. News articles everywhere, animated manga trailers, art advertisements, etc, etc. And when it was finally released and selling physical volumes, it appeared that Shueisha was doing everything it could to try and get those sales numbers up. And from what I saw on the internet, other physical volume sales of other popular jump titles had physical inserts advertising Samurai 8. And despite repeatedly placing low on the table of contents whenever Jump wasn't giving it color pages, which I should note, just because you're low on the table of contents does not mean that you are an unpopular series that has been disproven time and time again, it seemed like Samurai 8 was too big to fail despite its mediocrity. And that's why it was so shocking that it finally got the axe when it did. A well-deserved one, but shocking nonetheless, and an unfortunate asterisk for Kishimoto's career. Now, cancelled series sides, there were four series that got to end their runs on a high note. And these four series were Kimetsu no Yaiba, Demon Slayer, The Promised Neverland, Haikyuu, and Yuna of the Haunted Hot Spring. And of these four, Yuna was the only one not released through Jump Plus and the Shonen Jump app, but its volumes are still being published in English as we speak through Seven Seas Entertainment. It had a very respectable run in the magazine from February of 2016 to June of this year. As someone who's never read Yuna, I don't have much else to say about it, but I do look forward to eventually reading it in the future now that it has been finished. And in terms of a personal loss, Haikyuu was the hardest hit for me. After an impressive eight-year run in the magazine, Shonen Jump is devoid of a sports title for the first time in a long time, if not ever. And by all means, I do encourage correction on that note, if I am wrong. If there was <laughs> a other time in history that there wasn't a sports title, or this is the first time, please do correct me. But at the very least, I know that there's been at least one sports series running all the way back to Captain Sabasa in the 80s. Um, but back to Haikyuu. The series definitely had its impact. 45 volumes with more than 40 million volumes sold and counting. Several anime seasons, including the continuation of the fourth season in a couple weeks here, and several stage plays make for one very successful sports manga. It's the fifth best-selling sports series in Jump behind Slam Dunk, Captain Tsubasa, Kinikuman, and The Prince of Tennis. And while Haikyuu was a big loss, the same can be said for The Promised Neverland and especially Demon Slayer. Both of these series started in 2016 when Yuna did, but these two managed to dominate the magazine in popularity. 
And while TPN might not have had as big of manga sales, possibly due to having a shorter anime, anime adaptation so far, Demon Slayer was lightning in a bottle after you after Ufotable made one of the greatest anime adaptations of all time that in turn made the manga sell like hotcakes. And I'm not just talking new, new volumes. The Oricon weekly sales charts were dominated by Demon Slayer week after week as people were buying whatever they could get their hands on. And if there was a record to break with Oricon, Demon Slayer was there to break it and then some. Now, while I said that having these three series leave the magazine is a loss, I do want to emphasize that I'm happy that they were able to end on their own terms with planned and conclusive endings. One has to wonder if they would have had been awarded the same liberty if they had made their debuts in the early 2000s or earlier when Shonen Jump was pushing their most popular series to keep going just endlessly. One Piece being the last remaining example of that in today's magazine. Demon Slayer in particular would have been milked to the fullest extent given the sheer driving force it's been with sales. But if it had, it could have fizzled out like Bleach or Shokugeki no Soma giving people subpar manga arcs that couldn't maintain the earlier spark that they once had. We should be thankful that great series are able to conclude the way they want to rather than attempting to trudge along endlessly. And I look forward to seeing any future works these creators are able to publish in Shonen Jump again. The Promised Neverlands team already put out a one-shot last month, so I think we're in for some good content in the future. Now, with the series that have left the magazine out of the way, we can finally direct our attention to the current series in Weekly Shonen Jump. And regardless of what you might think of the current content, it is important to note that this is the first time in the magazine's history that every series published in the magazine is being simultaneously released in the West. And for the longest time, the last holdout was Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs. Now that his run has ended, every current and new series is now available to read through either the Shonen Jump app and or the Manga Plus app. I say and or because of all the current series, Ayakashi Triangle by Kentaro Yabuki is currently only available to read through Manga Plus. Everything else can be read through either app. I'm guessing the sexual nature of the series is probably the main factor here, but I don't know that an official reason was ever given for that matter. But that being said, it is pretty incredible how far we've come with Shonen Jump in the West. I still remember the days of picking up physical American versions of the magazine with seven to eight or so hand-picked popular titles with one to two or one to three chapters each, getting to read all 20-ish of the current uh, running series and then some right now is awesome. And I'll get to the and then some a bit later, but for now I want to focus first on the current series in the main magazine. And we can't talk about Weekly Shonen Jump without talking about the king of shonen, One Piece. It's the anchor of the magazine that can do no wrong, really, as it continues to just dominate the sales charts. And I could talk for days, days about One Piece and what it means to me. But for the sake of not making this podcast drag on forever, which it could, I won't. What I will say is that it's going to be feel... It's going to feel a little weird when One Piece does finally leave the magazine, and that could still, and it could be in the next four to five years, it could be longer. I mean, every time Oda has said, oh, it's going to end in such and such period of time, it's it, it's still gone on, but 
It has been running since 1997, and other than Hunter x Hunter, it is the only Shonen Jump series currently in the magazine that debuted prior to 2014, let alone in the 90s. But that said, there is a giant question looming in the air. When One Piece ends, what legs will the magazine have to stand on? Now keep in mind that it is incredibly improbable that a manga will ever be released in our lifetime that will surpass One Piece's sales. With 96 volumes out and more to come, One Piece has sold over 470 million copies in counting. It is no exaggeration to say that One Piece could very well pass 600 million by the time that it actually finishes. So what if we set our expectations a, a, a little lower? A little, little lower than, than the One Piece and its potential 600 million. Can any of the series match the success of series like Naruto, Slam Dunk, or Bleach? At the time of recording this, Demon Slayer now has over 100 million volumes out in circulation, um, whether that is physical or digital. And for the other three series that I mentioned, Bleach sold over 120 million, Slam Dunk sold 126, and Naruto sold 250 million. So by the time that Demon Slayer finally slows down and finishes, it probably will beat Bleach and Slam Dunk. Um, I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing how it couldn't, but I don't think a 150 million difference can be overcome to beat Naruto. I think that that 250 million mark is a little hard to beat. And that being said, Bleach could rebound with the anime coming back in the future here, but I, I do think that Demon Slayer will eventually beat it. Um, and that being said, I it can't. I don't think that Demon Slayer can beat Naruto just because it has literally less than one-third of the amount of volumes that Naruto has. If it went as long as Naruto, by all means, it could have beat it. Um, but I, I digress. Um, that said, I do think that Demon Slayer has the potential to be the eighth best-selling manga of all time behind Kochikame, uh, Tokyo Beat Cops, though. And for the record, that is another Shonen Jump series. In fact, it's the longest-running series in the magazine's history at that with over 200 volumes. And the only manga that ran for longer was the baseball series Adokaben from Weekly Shonen Champion magazine with 205. That is a lot. I, I always thought the Detective Conan was the longest one, but no, these two kick Conan's butt. Um, of the remaining titles still running in Shonen Jump right now, only one has passed 20 million so far in sales, and only time will tell if some of the other big names can reach those numbers. Though as I go through some of these series, I will make a case for why volume sales alone don't necessarily determine the success of a, of a jump title at this time. Um, at the time of recording this podcast, the second oldest current series in Shonen Jump is My Hero Academia, which started back in 2014. And it fe it feels weird in a way to say that My Hero is the second oldest series in Jump, but six years have really passed. Now, technically, Hunter x Hunter is the second oldest series in Jump, but it's hard to say that when it's not currently in Jump. We're currently in the longest hiatus of the series so far, and in that regard... I, I do wish Togashi Yoshihiro the best regards and hope that he's able to conquer the is the health issues that he's been battling for so long. Um, focusing on that first and foremost, 
in all honesty, I would be fine if Hunter Hunter never resumed again, if it meant that he got to live a happy and healthy life. I would love to see more Hunter Hunter, but his health comes first, especially after doing all that he's done for us with both Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter, so I wish him nothing but the best. But back on the subject of My Hero Academia, it's currently the second best-selling series in the magazine behind One Piece. But that margin is big. I mentioned moments ago that the only series that has passed 20 million in sales uh, in the magazine other than One Piece is My Hero Academia. And to date, it has sold around 28 million copies. And that's still a very respectable number. That puts it in the top 100 best-selling manga of all time, and I have no doubt that it will break the top 50 and beyond by the time that it finishes. And according to Oricon, it was the fifth best-selling title for the first half of 2020, behind Demon Slayer, One Piece, The Quintessential Quintuplets, and Kingdom. Um, but besides volume sales right now, look at the sheer popularity of MHA right now. It has one hell of a broad appeal, even in some of the less anime-centric sectors of pop culture. The anime is a major, is a major factor for that. And while Demon Slayer's anime really drove people to buy out the manga, I think a lot of people stuck to the anime for My Hero in comparison. Not that there's anything wrong with that by any means. The production level for the anime is great. And not only that, but the anime has also produced two original movies as well. And I think that's a major sign of success when you think about how many other big-name Shonen Jump series have had their stories told on the big screen. Not to mention, My Hero has also had two video games produced as well, so I, I think that's pretty big too. Um, back to the manga side of things, I think MHA is doing well on two fronts. First, the popularity of the series brought about a spin-off series called My Hero Academia Vigilant uh, Vigilantes. It's not written by Horikoshi, but it's a fantastic look into some of the characters and events prior to the main My Hero storyline. And for anyone that's a fan and hasn't read Vigilantes yet, I highly recommend it and have my fingers crossed that we do get an anime for it eventually. As for the main manga, the current arc is reaching one hell of a climax. I'm literally holding my breath. Uh, between chapters. And if Horikoshi is able to continue this current level of drama and intrigue, I think it's possible that we'll see an influx in sales. And either way, it will be one hell of a ride to see this animated. In two to three years, given the current format they're running with for the anime production, with a single 24-episode season each year. So... Other than One Piece and My Hero Academia, there are six other current series that are a year or older in terms of publication. From oldest to newest, we have Black Clover by Yuki Tabata, We Never Learn by Taishi Tsusui, Dr. Stone by Rishiro Inagaki and Boichi, Jujutsu Kaisen by Gigi Akutame, and Chainsaw Man by, oops, sorry, Chainsaw Man by Tatsuki Fujimoto, and the newest to make it past a year, Mission Yozakura Family by Hitsuji Gondaira. The other 11 series currently running in Shonen Jump are less than a year old. And that is a crazy number. About 60% of the magazine right now is new content. And that is a big swing from the 2019 run of the magazine, where only 30% of the series in the magazine by year end were new series. It is a 30% difference. 
which on a quick note here, each year of Jump runs for 52 issues, though a few of those are double issues covering two weeks instead of one. The 2019 run of Jump had its 52nd issue on November 25th of last year, and December 2nd was the release date of the first issue for the 2020 run. I wanted to clear this up because there were two other series that ended in December that I didn't discuss because they technically didn't happen in the actual year of 2020. And those two are Beast Children and Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Beast Children isn't all that important to remember, but keep Tokyo Shinobi Squad in your mind for later. That one is pertinent. But back to the veteran series for now. While the magazine has eight series that have lasted a year or longer, we are going to lose one more by the end of this year or the beginning of next year, and that's We Never Learn. For those unaware, the series is currently in the fourth of five different ending routes featuring the different love interests from the series. To me, that is pretty awesome that the major ships are each getting their time in the sun. And it makes me wish that more romance authors did that, but beggars can't be choosers. At least compared to Haikyuu, there isn't a genre hole left behind once we never learn ends. I miss my jump sports, man. I'd, I'd be shocked if we don't get a new sports series by year end. So, please, <laughs> please jump editors, give us a sports series again. Um, Black Clover is doing solid. 10 million in manga volume sales, a spin-off manga, a long-running anime, and a video game to its name are all major accomplishments. Given time, I think its sales will rise, but it's clear so far that the anime hasn't delivered the same sales power that the My Hero anime has had with its manga. A lot is riding on how well the current arcs deliver after the success of the reincarnation arc, but so far I'm hooked, and I do also note that I am I am a huge Black Clover fan. I have watched the anime religiously, uh, dub over sub for this one, um... And I think that is another contributing factor is for why the manga hasn't sold as well, just because compared to other anime, Black Clover has actually been airing week after week after week other than when the quarantine hit. So there hasn't really been as much of a need to read the manga unless you want to read the current stuff. Um, and I would argue that Dr. Stone is also doing well. Like Black Clover and My Hero, it's had a manga spinoff, uh, the first season of the anime went over well, and the second season is premiering next year. And there's no doubt in my mind that Dr. Stone's popularity will go up once the second season starts airing, just given how the series really starts to pick up with the Stone Wars arc. And as for the manga, well, let's just say that my hype is at a maximum every week I read a new chapter. I, I truly hope that it gets to boost in sales that it deserves, because I love me some Dr. Stone. I also love me some... Richiro Inagaki, which is in no way a shock for anyone that has watched or listened to any of my content, so I'll put that out there too. Now, before I get to the two ongoing gems that are bound to shake up the sales charts, I do want to touch on Mission Yozakura Family. This is the latest series to make it to the year of ser serialization mark and beat out Mitama Security to do so. And for those that are unaware of the series, it's a mafia-based rom-com with action. So think more Katekyo Hitman Reborn than Nisekoi, but with an actual relationship between the male and female protagonists rather than a will-they-won't-they they situation. And I've been a fan since day one, since I mentioned the Reborn vibes from the manga. But I won't dispute the fact that it's a series that's probably been on the chopping block a few times, and has probably escaped the axe one or more times. 
Its sales numbers are alright for a newer series, but compared to a few other newer titles, it's not doing as great. My hope is that it'll get to see we'll get to see it continue for a greater stretch of time. But I won't hold my breath when we get some more new series in a few months that need to take the spots of other series in the magazine. But now we get to two series that can make a real name for themselves in Shonen Jump history, and I'm talking about Jujutsu Kaisen and Chainsaw Man. So first up, we have Jujutsu Kaisen. If the name sounds familiar, it should, because its anime is premiering this October 3rd. The manga, starts its, the manga started its run in 2018 and has already proven to be pretty popular. It's had 12 volumes and a volume zero published so far and has sold to the tune of about 7 million copies. And just to make a quick comparison, Black Clover's 10 million in sales came from 25 volumes. With that in mind, Jujutsu Kaisen is doing incredibly well so far for such a new series, and if this keeps up, we can expect to see some great sales numbers. And I have no doubt that the anime will give it the sales boost it needs to reach even greater heights. But the best way to describe Jujutsu Kaisen, in my opinion, is to call it a darker version of Bleach. A young athletic teenager gets caught up in a battle between a Jujutsu sorcerer, uh, think an exorcist kind of, and a monster called a curse that radically changes the young teen's life forever. Now, I, re I really don't want to spoil anything further than there, because I can't recommend watching this series for yourself enough. It has a great blend of interesting characters, a full spectrum of emotional moments and writing, and thrilling fights between the humans and curses. Though, sometimes the fights amongst the humans are even more interesting. Plus, if you're a fan of horror, this will be right up your alley. The reason why I recommend watching this series over reading it, at least for the time being, is that I think animation can really bring this series to life, similar to how the same was true with Demon Slayer. Now don't get me wrong, the art and paneling in the manga pages for both series is great. Jujutsu Kaisen's art is a little rougher around the edges, but that fits the tone of the story. A darker story with blood and guts constantly on display doesn't need to be polished and pretty. If you haven't read Jujutsu Kaisen yet, give the anime a try and go from there. It's another great, dark, supernatural story gracing the pages of Jump and soon to be broadcasting on TVs, computers, and phones worldwide. But speaking of blood and guts constantly on display, Chainsaw Man does that even more than Jujutsu Kaisen does, with one hell of a dark and morbid humor sprinkled in, too. And yes, the hell pun is intended. It's your average story of a boy and his dog. Classic, right? Fighting demons. Until the main character's left for dead. His dog, the good boy that he is, with his chainsaw nose, decides to become the boy's new heart and turn him into a human-demon hybrid known as Chainsaw Man. And then comes the ripping and tearing of his enemies and our hearts. Dear God, our hearts. Tatsuki Fujimoto, also known as the creator behind Fire Punch, has created a new series that is so bizarre and constantly changing its pace and tone. It makes you wonder whether this is all random or a complete masterpiece of storytelling. You go, you literally go from laughing to crying to holding your breath in anticipation with some moments giving you euphoric, euphoric triumph while other moments just rip your heart from your chest. Just rip it out, heartstrings and all. And the insanity of us all has clearly affected its fans too, 
when you consider that one of the side characters was beaten in the first series popularity poll by her own car. And it's not even like a cool decked out supercar or anything. A normal car was jokingly voted as more popular than its owner. And that is goddamn hilarious. Now, while I've got more recommendations for reading with some of the newer titles, and honestly, I'd recommend reading almost everything in Jump right now, since all of it is available to read online at this point through legal means, Chainsaw Man is definitely at the top of my recommendation list for reading. Three million in sales after eight volumes sold is no joke, and an anime is definitely deserved here. Each chapter will leave you hungry for more, to the point that you'll probably kill somebody for a hamburger. And if you got that reference, you're awesome, and you're welcome. Now, with those eight series out of the way, that leaves us with the 11 series currently running in Jump that are all less than a year old. In order of oldest to newest, we have A Gravity Boys by Atsushi Nakamura, Undead Unluck by Yushifumi Tozuka, Mashal, Magic and Muscles by Hajime Komoto, Mori King by Tomohiro Hasegawa, Ayakashi Triangle by Kentaro Yabuki, Magu-chan, God of Destruction by Ka Kei Kamiki, Hard-Boiled Cop and Dolphin by Ryuhei Tamura, Me and Roboko by Shuhei Miyazaki, Phantom Seer by Togo Goto and Kento Matsura, High School Family Kokusei Kazuko, or Kazuku by Ryo Nakama, and finally, Our Blood Oath by Kazu Kakazu, Ka sorry, Kazu Kakazu. A long list and a lot of names right there. While there is a decent variety with the newcomers and varying degrees of experience from some of the creators, there is one glaring detail slash issue here that needs to be discussed. For starters, of the, 11 of the 11 titles I mentioned, how many would you guess are gag or gag adjacent series? If you somehow guessed seven, then you are correct. And if you toss Mission Yosakura family in there, you get eight. Though, that series is clearly taking the Reborn route by gradually converting into a battle manga. And while gag series aren't strangers to the magazine's history, especially since Kochikame, the magazine's longest-running series, was a gag manga, it's more common for the magazine to have one to three gag series running at a time, not a third of the series currently in Jump like we have right now. And I don't think it was ever made clear as to why so many gag series were all released around the same time period. It could very well be to try and bring some humor to 2020, but in a time where Jump needs new blood to bring life into the magazine, I don't know that running that many gag series at the same time is the right strategy. With that in mind, I don't expect all of these series to last long, since several of them overlap in terms of their tone and targeted demographics. Who stays and who goes is going to come down to volume sales, reader surveys, and the editors. There are some gems in here though, and I will talk about them coming up. But let's do a brief synopsis for each one, and then I'll go into my thoughts. A Gravity Boys features four male astronaut, astronauts that get lost in time and have landed on an alien planet with no way to communicate with Earth and or get back to it. Along the way, they meet a higher being, or HB, as they're later called, that messes with the boys for its own amusement. Hijinks ensue. The humor here is designed for an older teen to adult audience. Undead Unluck 
sorry, Undead Unluck follows two superpowered humans with the codenames Undead and Unluck. Undead is a man unable to die and can regenerate his body at will, while Unluck is a girl that brings bad luck to anyone that makes skinned contact with her body. A mysterious organization is how to capture these two, but there's a greater mystery at foot here and stakes bigger than either of them can imagine. The best way to describe Mashal, Magic, and Muscles is if you put Saitama from One Punch Man with the personality and looks of Mob from Mob Psycho in the world of Harry Potter. A boy with no magic but muscle power for days needs to pass off his mus muscles as magic in a world where your magic power determines everything. And also there's cream puffs. Lots and lots of cream puffs. In the world of Mori King, there's a fight for the crown in the insect kingdom, and five representative bugs are fighting to be the forest king. Our main character Mori King is a rhinoceros beetle. Well, a rhinoceros beetle that looks like a human anyway. And he's a house pet. <laughs> the series follows his daily adventures with his elementary schoolboy owner Shota and Shota's reluctant older sister Shoko. For whatever reason, the manga gives me Zatch Bell vibes, and that's that's a good thing for me. Ayakashi Triangle is the newest series by To Love Rue's Kentaro Yabuki. A teenage exorcist ninja fights to protect his childhood friend and love interest against Ayakashi that are attracted to her powers as an Ayakashi medium. A nefarious cat Ayakashi tries to eat our hero's love interest, but a twist of fate leaves the first chapter with a very Ichi cliffhanger. And this... This is the fan service series of the magazine right now. Now that we don't have Food Wars, this, this, is, this is the Ichi series. Uh, Magu-chan, God of Destruction, features the supernatural god of chaos known as Magu Menueku. After hundreds of years of imprisonment, he's been freed by a happy-go-lucky middle school girl, but all that time has left him looking like a tiny pink one-eyed octopus. Now known as Magu-chan, he's going to build a new cult and reclaim his power. Hijinks in a blood pack friendship notebook ensue. It's very fun. Now, have you ever pictured what it would be like for a man and a dolphin to team up and be cops together? No? Well, Ryuhei Tamura has got you covered then. The Beelzebub and Hungry Marie creator is back with another wacky concept mixing action with bizarre, over-the-top aquatic concepts and hard-boiled cop and dolphin. Definitely a return to form for Tamura with this series. Uh, Me and Roboco is about a boy and his order maid. Uh, well, robot order maid. And I, at least she says she's a order maid robot. But compared to other standard issue pretty models, Roboco is wacky, buff, and has quote-unquote Napanese, as the manga likes to point out. The manga loves to make various chump references, both verbally... And on Roboco's panties and skirt-flipping gags, for whatever reason. Um, nothing, nothing is too absurd for the series to, to joke about. They, they, will cover, they will cover everything. Uh, Phantom Seer features the return of Tokyo Shinobi Squad's artist Kento Matsura in a new supernatural horror thriller. When a high school girl starts experiencing a series of seemingly unlucky close calls... She seeks out a boy rumored to have psychic powers to see if he can help her. The young man refuses until his mysterious older sister orders him to help the girl. Thus begins the supernatural adventure for this high school girl and a, pain, a pair of strange exorcist siblings. 
in high school family Kokose Kazuku, first year Kotaro is starting high school. And so is his dad. And his baby sister. And his mom. And their cat Gomez. That, that's the joke. The, the, the family is all going to high school together. Uh, this is Ryo Nakama's second outing in Jump after his gag series Isobe Isubi Monogatari Ukiyo wa Surayo that ran from 2013 to 2017, and that was a lot of Japanese all in one sentence. <laughs> uh, last but not least is Our Blood Oath by newcomer Kazu Kakazu. And this is another supernatural series following a pair of Japanese, or it's not, sorry, obviously the Japanese, a pair of vampire siblings living on their own while slaying other monsters. And there's not a lot else to say about this one so far, since there's only three chapters out at the time of writing this script. Um, but it was a supposedly very popular one-shot from last year, according to the Manga Plus app. So, with the, with the synopses out of the way, what are my thoughts? Of the 11, my favorites are Undead Unluck, Mashal, Maguchan, uh, Hard-Boiled Cop and Dolphin, A Gravity Boys, and Mori King. Though, the Buddy Cop shouldn't really be too much of a surprise, since my current logo for Axel Blaze Productions is Orpheus the Dolphin. I do want to be clear here, though, that I do enjoy reading every series in Jump, since we finally have that opportunity to do so now. Um, but those six are definitely my standouts. Um, to me, most of the series I didn't mention all do things that other, another current series does at the same level or better. I will say that I do have some decent hopes for Phantom Seer, given that I did enjoy Kento Matsura's art since his time with Tokyo Shinobi Squad, but the series is still too new for me to form enough of an opinion on it. Undead Unluck and Mashal definitely appear to be the top dogs in the new batch, though, with Undead Unluck winning the 6th annual Sugi no Kuru Manga Award for 2020, aka the up-and-coming Manga Award. Uh, and some of the other nominees for this year's award included Mashal, Gravity Boys, Mission Yozakura Family, and Mitama Security. Uh, and overall, I think the magazine is in a good spot right now. While having over half the magazine be new series might seem like a bad thing, I think it's good that some new blood gets a chance to shine rather than seeing new series and new series only getting the axe each time a batch of new series comes out. Like I said, I'm a big fan of those six series that I mentioned. I enjoy the gags. I enjoy the action. Uh, a lot of unique stuff other than... I mean, let's be honest, Mashal is literally, like I said, a combination of One Punch Man and Mob into one character in a magic setting, so it's not... A unique concept, but it's done well. Um, I I love them all. It's absolutely awesome reading all of them. And like I said, if you have the opportunity to do so, you should definitely check out all the series yourself. Because again, you can read all of them. But at this point, though, you might be thinking to yourself, Axel is here is clearly forgetting something pretty big. He hasn't mentioned Burn the Witch yet. And to that point, I say... Uh, hold on. I, I, was, I was saving it for the discussion on Jump's future, given how the first quote-unquote season of Burn the Witch is over, while a second season has been teased. I, I've, been, I've been holding on to this one, I promise. I promise. I, I, I did not forget it. 
I, I wrote out a whole script, so I clearly did not forget it. With the news series that Burn the Witch uh, will supposedly be a se- uh, sorry, with the news that Burn the Witch will supposedly be a seasonal manga, it opens up a lot of doors for the magazine, in my opinion. One of the big selling points for Jump is that it has several authors and/or artists that come back to the magazine time and time again with a new series. Heck, that that was the major draw for Samurai Eight. Kishimoto was coming back. The, the, the stories and plot didn't matter. Kishimoto was back after finishing Naruto a few years back. One of the big three authors was coming back and he was going to make another hit. Or so we thought. And Samurai 8 ended up being just a huge flop instead. And that's the thing. Not everyone can strike gold twice and or the first time. My Hero's Horikoshi had two previous jump series but didn't find his hit until My Hero. Black Clover's Yuki Tabata wrote Hungry Joker before Black Clover, which, side note, I actually really enjoyed Hungry Joker, but I digress. On the flip side, Ryuhei Tamura had a big success with Beelzebub, but then wrote the flop that was Hungry Marie before writing Hard Boiled Cop and Dolphin right now. Tadatoshi Fujimaki is another good example. He created Kuroko no Basket, but couldn't quite capture that spark again with Robotics Laser Beam. Though, the caveat there is that Laser Beam at least made it to a year of serialization. There are other examples with both current and previous creators, but I'll leave it at that for now. The point I'm trying to get at is that burnout is real. (laughs) Writing week after week, month after month, year after year is incredibly taxing. And this is especially true for the people that have series running for hundreds of chapters. Being a manga creator for a weekly magazine is not an easy job. Even for monthly creators, the work can be daunting. So, what if creators had more liberty with their release schedules? Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to open up the floodgates and let things get out of hand. Hunter Hunter is on hiatus because of Togashi's health, more than any other reason, but both it and Berserk are well known for wildly long hiatuses. A creator should be given some liberties if they can create some good content, but sometimes you still need repeat, uh, need to reel people in. So could creating manga seasonally be the right answer? Keep in mind that there are no set expectations for Burn the Witch. Technically, the English release of the miniseries didn't include the teaser for the next season. Lots of plot points were left wide open, but we have no concrete details on anything. Now, it is very possible that more details will be made known once the anime finished airing after premiering in a few weeks, but we'll have to wait and see. That said, the prospect of seeing Taite Kubo releasing Burn the Witch in a seasonal installments once or twice a year is intriguing. From a marketing standpoint, it sounds fun being able to promote the return of a seasonal manga to a magazine. From a multi-series point of view, It would leave more permanent spots in the magazine open, knowing that a seasonal series doesn't have to take up a set number of pages every week for various stretches of time, thus letting more series have a chance to stay in the magazine longer. And lastly, from a physical and mental health side of things, it put less burden on the creators to perform on a regular basis and let them create things at their own pace. Though again, with reason. This is all speculation on my end, but I think it's a thought worth entertaining. 
I'd love to see more work done by some of my favorite creators, and maybe this is the way to do it while allowing for more series to run at the same time. Though that said, my next point on the future of dump... on dump... Sorry, my next point on the future of Jump does already resolve that later I or latter issue. So, for those unaware, especially if you don't have the Manga Plus app, there are a number of series published exclusively through Shonen Jump's digital channels. They are not published in Shonen Jump's weekly magazine other than for the occasional special chapter, and they aren't published at the same time like the weekly Jump titles. That said... They do have physical volume releases like the Weekly Jump titles, and that is an important detail that I will soon elaborate upon. Um, as of right now, there are 13 current Jump Plus series with one on hiatus and four series completed in the English version of the app. And the current King of Jump Plus is a little known title known as Spy X Family, which for the record is pronounced Spy Family. Not Spy X Family, it's the, it's the whole Hunter Hunter thing all over again. Created by Tatsuya Endo, the story follows the Forger family, a lovely family in a post-war Berlin. Though this family isn't what it seems. The father is a spy, his fake wife is an assassin, and their adoptive daughter is a psychic and the only one that knows the truth about her two stand-in parents. It's an action comedy with great art, great characters and facial expressions that will leave you laughing out loud. The amount of award nominations it has received since debuting has been something to behold, and like Undead Unluck, it won the Sugu Nikuru Manga Award in 2019 in the Web Manga category. On top of all the award nods, it has been critically acclaimed in various online and paper publications. But the important question remains, what about sales? Now hold on to your hats, because this one is a doozy. After releasing five physical volumes, the combined physical and digital sales for Spy Family have reached over 5.5 million. That number is insane. Insane for a new series. At this point, each volume of the series has sold on average about 1.3 to 1.4 million copies. And that's a number that most Jump series will never meet. So it's absolutely insane that a digital series like this one has done so well in such a short amount of time. It, it's only been published since 2019. And honestly, it might not be the only star of the Jump Plus roster for much longer. Of the current Jump Plus titles, there is another new series that has rocked the boat and could have quite the impact. Kaiju number 8 or Monster No. 8, depending on your translation, by Naoya Matsumoto, is shaping up to be a monster, both literally and figuratively. When its first chapter debuted for the first time, the series was trending at the number 4 spot on Japan's Twitter. And while its first volume has not been physically printed yet, after the 10th chapter hit the Manga Plus app, the series had totaled over 16 million views. Now, I'm expecting big things, and you should too for this. And that said, I will be discussing both Spy, Fam sorry, Spy Family and Kaiju Number 8 in a future video and or podcast, so please stay tuned. Along with a few of my other favorites from the Jump Plus app. But, for now, that about wraps things up for my discussion of Weekly Shonen Jump in both its current state and its future. 
I still think the magazine is in a good place right now, despite the percentage of new series currently in publication. We need some fresh blood to spice things up, and I think that the veteran series are handling things nicely. And on the digital side of things, Manga Plus is doing solid work now and could have a much bigger impact in the future as well. That said, I would love to hear what you guys think about the current state of Jump and your thoughts on the future. What are your current favorites? Which series do you think will get the axe when the next round of new series, either either later this year or at the beginning of 2020, are published in the magazine? You can let me know on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever platform suits you best. And if you like these podcast-style videos, let me know about that too. I'm always looking for feedback. I will continue to be uploading these podcasts to both YouTube and various podcasting platforms so you listeners can watch or listen whichever way may work for you best. And if you haven't listened yet but are interested, definitely check out my Super Sentai and Common Rider discussion podcast with my friends The Every Nerd and Terra XGT. For the month of October, I will be going to cover some more spooky content on a weekly basis. There will be an announcement video on my new YouTube channel discussing my plans for the month. So stay tuned for that. The YouTube channel, same as the podcast, it is Axel Blaze Productions. In the meantime, thank you guys for listening. For now, my name is Axel Blaze, and I'll see you guys in the next Dolphin Cop Loving episode. See you later.